sometimes digital marketing and marketing doesn't work for marketing companies. I mean, I'm kind of joking when I say that, but it's just there's so much competition because we all are aiming for that spot. And when we all know the best practices and what to do, only a few are really going to get up there. Tired of the same old marketing tactics? Yearning for results that truly matter? You're in the right place. Welcome to Marketing Reimagined, the podcast that boldly challenges traditional norms and ventures into the realms of innovative strategies. Each week, we dive deep, giving you actionable insights and refreshing perspectives to help your brand stand out in a crowded marketplace. If you're a marketing maverick ready to shatter the status quo and reimagine your marketing efforts, then you're in for a treat. Welcome to Marketing Reimagined. You're home for transformation. Let's dive in. All right, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Marketing Reimagined, the podcast where we delve into the minds of marketing mavericks to bring you actionable strategies and out-of-the-box thinking that can help you stand out in a crowded marketplace. Today, I've got a very exciting guest, someone that I've been looking to connect with for some time that truly embodies a number of these principles. Joining us from Height Digital, a company at the forefront of tailored digital marketing solutions is Andrew Clark, their dynamic general manager. Andrew and his team are passionate about helping businesses generate awareness, leads, and revenue with a unique approach that's custom built for each client. They don't just tell you what to do, they show you how to win online before you spend a dollar. That's pretty cool. So if you want to be able to tap into some of the insights that Andrew and I are going to discuss, definitely stay tuned for some goodies to come here. But Andrew, man, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Good. Thank you for having me, Carl. Yeah, man. I'm happy we've been able to make this happen. I, I want to kind of go back in time to your, your story and maybe how you got into marketing, specifically with hype. So just offline, you mentioned that you lived abroad. You lived in the Amazon, I think you said, or in Nicaragua. Tell us yeah, about for a while. I lived in both. That's so fascinating. So I'm about that experience. <laughs> I didn't think I would ever do marketing. I went to school for international business and economics. And then I found myself originally I thought I would do like military and go that route. Ruptured my Achilles, changed my course of life, ended up becoming really engaged in community activities, volunteering, et cetera, which led me to the Peace Corps. When I was in the Peace Corps, I was working in the business sector, working with small businesses, nonprofits, et cetera, in Nicaragua. And in that process, I always found myself attaching to the marketing side. Specifically at that point, I was really big into like social media and like just how to build basic websites, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And after doing that for about two years and seeing kids come up with these amazing projects as well. So I worked with young entrepreneurs. One example is I worked with a group of kids and think about in Nicaragua, you have to, I told them to think outside of the box. If you're trying to start a business, how can you break outside of that, the basic box? Like how can you solve an issue when it comes to TVs back in the day, if it was too loud, what did we have to do? You had to stand up, go over, hit the button, turn down the volume and then go sit back down. And it's the person that invented the remote, like it didn't, it changed the world in a weird way. Like it didn't solve hunger or something, you know, but it still yeah. was a creative solution. So I always told him like, it doesn't have to be something that's going to solve any sort of 
life crisis, but they ended up coming up with a solution to sorting beans. So if you think about bean, black beans, when they're picked, someone has to go through and take out all the dirt, the rocks, the sticks. People probably don't realize that's what happens when you are picking beans. There's little pebbles and someone or something has to sit there and sort through it. Well, yeah. in that part of Nicaragua, you would have the mothers, the women, young children would sit there for hours just sorting it, putting the good piles, the bad piles. Long story short, they created a, a contraption where the, it uses air and gravity to sort them. So really? they had this way that what air was pushing all of these beans up through this chute. And if the beans were fully together intact, like a good size, they only floated up to a certain point because they still had water in them. So they flow up like halfway up the, up the chute and then just fall naturally. All the ones that were chipped, broken sticks, pebbles, they just went up, yeah. up well, even no. higher and kind of just like separated it. So they're able to sort through tons and tons and tons of beans at a time. And then they had to go to market it. So wow. that's kind of where I found myself in this like weird environment. And then afterwards, I found myself working with an agency out of Nicaragua for a little bit doing Google ads. Okay. And that is really what sort of opened up the doors where it's like, I knew you could do ads on Google. I just didn't know the complexity, the strength, the power of it all. Yeah. And after doing that for a little bit, I found myself in the Amazon, the Peruvian Amazon, working with a wildlife center as a marketing specialist. So it was more of the whole scope of things between the strategy, fundraising, getting more local stakeholders involved, people from the government, the airport, because we were rescuing animals that were being illegally trafficked yep. out of the Amazon, rehabilitating them, and then releasing them. And then the animals that are being rehabilitated or in a semi-state of not quite a zoo, but trying to find a better place for them in the meantime, if they became too domesticated, yeah. we had roughly 30,000 people that came to the center a year. And we were trying to teach them, hey, this is the reality of what happens if you're buying birds, animals, you know, Joe Exotic, for example, on that Netflix special. 2020. Like all of that is the concept of this. And you saw the negative things that come yeah. for it, but people aren't aware. It's like, oh, these are cute animals. It's cool to see. So yeah. then during COVID, came back to the States. I had a friend who knew someone that needed help with their marketing. Hey, Andrew's been doing this for nonprofits. I don't know if he's available. Started working with him and then I sort of backed into Hyde. I had a friend that was looking to start it. Wow. And we opened up the Atlanta branch. Yeah, so man. That's a lot, a lot right there. Yeah, that's some, that's some goodness though, man. I mean, I think the natural progression to getting what you're doing now is very fascinating. We'll get to Hyde here shortly, but going back to those kids in their, I don't know, that invention basically with like separating the beans. I mean, did you put on your marketing hat and help them think a little bit strategically about how they could maybe go to market with something like that? I mean, it, it sounds like it was a huge time saver because I've actually been in that situation. My parents are from West Africa. So I've had to like, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've had to like sit down like a group of us little kids and sort through beans to get ready to, you know, <laughs> boil and eat. I mean, it's like, Talk about monotonous, right? It takes so much time. Yeah. Or the other cool invention that some kids had were, you know, those large oil drums that fill up with water? Yep. I don't know if it's like this in West Africa, but 
Sometimes the water turns on, sometimes it doesn't. So some of the people will leave. You have to turn it on, let that big oil drum fill, and that's your water for the day. Mm-hmm. And there was one kid, the water, for whatever reason, turned on like 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. He was tired for school. So he took one of the, those buoys from, from a toilet, like the back of a toilet, the thing that stops the water from filling yeah. up too much. <laughs> yeah. He attached, I don't, I don't know how he did it, but he attached this thing to it. And he just left the water running. So when it turned on, it filled up. And if it happened to reach the top, it just, and it stopped the water so, from overflowing. So he invented that. Like, isn't that, isn't that customary in most toilets? Like, you know, you're talking about like that little chain contraption thing. That Yeah, he took something. Taps. He made some sort of thing where yeah. you could just kind of like what MacGyver on it. But that was like his thing at yeah. that time. And he, so when it comes to these things so you asked about the marketing yeah that's always one of it like sometimes it gets so complicated and you have to teach them about it's almost sometimes more about selling than marketing i guess they're so intertwined but it's more trying to teach them that you're trying to not just sell the product itself or the price or whatever it is it's more like the problem and the time that you're saving more than anything yeah but it's always difficult in that space where I was a little bit more teacher. I was more of like someone helping and trying to help these kids kind of learn it on their own. So you kind of have to plant those seeds yeah, and hope that they cultivate them themselves instead of me just giving them the answer. Sure. You just touched on something that's interesting and that is like sort of the, the intersection or the overlap, if you will, of sales and marketing. It's probably a really nice segue into what y'all are doing there at Hype because I know a lot of what I've uh, studied up on you just in preparing for this is that you're really helping a lot of service-based companies drive revenue. So mm-hmm. talk about talk about sales and marketing and how the two intersect and how you help your clients think about, you know, specifically what you all are doing to drive sales, which is what everybody, everybody cares about. You know what I mean? It's revenue. Come on, like, let's get some dollars in the door. What's your ethos on that, Andrew? Yeah, it's always a tricky thing because sometimes... At the beginning, when I was doing this at that other agency, there were times where I would see the results. You're getting this many clicks. You're getting these conversions. Like things are going great. I'm all excited. And they're like, yeah. I'm getting nothing. So that was kind of an eye opener where you really have to have that communication, especially if you're hiring someone out of, like out of the actual business itself, like an agency. I can look at the numbers, but if I don't have clear communication with what's happening on your side, so there's always that back and forth of, okay, we're giving you 50, 20, whatever amount of leads a month it is. How are they? First off, are, are they good? You know, some of them, maybe it's just someone window shopping or it's spam or whatever. And then the other side is also working with them a little bit on how to follow up with people. Because that happens as well. We're providing leads to these people and it's not necessarily my job to close them for the client like that's a salesperson's job but sometimes you have to bleed over into that position where it's hey make sure we're answering the phone let's get a crm in place to make sure that we have a follow-up sequence and all of those things that come afterwards yeah Um, if you're more in like in a law or something that is a longer you know sales cycle i always recommend them like hey find them on facebook you know add them on facebook find them on instagram become friends with them so that way instead of just seeing you once you do your follow-ups. Yeah, Maybe they'll see you on Facebook. You're posting regularly. I'm quite active. I see you're active on LinkedIn. 
So instead of just seeing me once every whatever we're meeting up to move the pipeline further, you're seeing me constantly on yeah. social media. And then it's like, oh, yeah, that guy, I like what he's doing. He's going to the ball game. He's volunteering. He's on the board of this nonprofit. He does photography. Uh -huh. Like if that's me, and then maybe they'll be like, I identify with that. Like he's more than just a marketer. He's a person. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, right? Because what you're talking about is basically relationship building is what I'm hearing. Yeah. I know that oftentimes when a lot of these service-based companies, you know, the med spas, the the lawyers, et cetera, like when they come to <laughs> like height, don't they just typically want to just give you a pile of cash and say, all right, like turn this into hot prospects that are going to want to buy after they see us once? Like how often do you find that your clients that come to height understand what you just said. And that's, hey, listen, you should seek to leverage social media to build a relationship. No different than what you would do in real life. Like, are your clients receptive to that sort of thing? Or are they kind of it's, like an, an easy button here? It's 50-50. Most clients don't, at least the ones that I come across, generally aren't, hey, take all of this cash and just run with it. And even if they did, I would kind of, to me, that's a little bit of a red flag. Yeah, I kind of walk backwards and I'm like, no, I want to meet up every two weeks or whatever it is at the beginning because I need that relationship from them. If I have someone that comes to me and I can see they've been running Facebook ads, Google ads, SEO, and they have YouTube videos and all like they're doing a lot and it looks like it's going well, I'll ask them, like, do you, why are you moving away from this other company or this other person? Or why did you fire the person you had in-house or whatever it is? Like, why are you talking to me? If things are, it looks like it's going well. A lot of times it just comes down to communication or consistency. They didn't give the person enough time, whatever it is. But so that plays into it. And I know, so I guess in short, no, they don't. <laughs> they aren't super receptive at the start. And that's where it just takes constant teaching, teaching, teaching. But through that communication where, hey, we're giving you these leads. And then once they start seeing the leads come in, you start following it. You know, you have... Yeah, You have John who sent in a form. When did you follow up with him? Oh, I called him the next day. Like, yeah. you kind of have to walk through it or being the relationship side that I'm in. I do a lot of networking. Yeah, I have a lot of sales coaches, a lot of sales trainers, coaches in general, that if I can see that personality mixes up and I can tell this person is made for growth and they want to become a leader, I'll try to connect them to one of those people because I know long-term, that person can then is taking some of the workload away from me. And then that way they can like go to the next level. Okay. So I'm curious, can you break down exactly what you all are doing at a height? Like I know it's digital marketing. I know it's Google pay-per-click SEO, but for somebody that's listening out there, we have a lot of business owners that are listening to this, trying to reimagine their marketing strategies and figure out what could actually work, right? Like help us, Help us with that scenery. Like, where are you all coming in? And then you're saying some really good stuff here as well too, Andrew, from like a relationship building perspective. Talk about what needs to happen post what you all do to help them get more leads to actually convert those, right? In like an organic yeah. fashion. Because what, I, what I'm hearing is that there needs to be, yeah, this paid strategy that you all focus on, but there also needs to be some organic juiciness happening on the back oh, yeah. to really help it be holistic. So can you paint us that that picture so we can better understand? Yeah. 
So a lot of people that come to me and they say, oh, I get all my leads word of mouth, referrals, you know, I don't need to do any marketing. It's like, if you think of the big pie chart of all the things that marketing is between referrals, networking, your website, getting your car wrapped in digital marketing, and then pretty much anything you can imagine, you want to be doing a little bit of all of it. Yeah. Like, even if you start doing marketing with me, I tell my clients, like, go find an association, go find a chamber. And go find some sort of like closed off networking group. Like that's a BNI or whatever other kinds of groups are across the country. Find three of those. That way you're kind of, everything is all, you're not dependent on one part of that strategy. So no matter what happens, everything is kind of always shifting and alterating, yeah. but they'll support each other. Makes sense. Right. And my goal generally when it comes to specifically people in the trades and law firms is you want them to be booked out for anywhere from one, two, three, four months out, depending on the company. Some of my clients are booked out about four to five months from now, all, all year long. They just are constantly that far ahead in the pipeline. They in, know what's coming for the next four months. In terms of lead flow? Is that what you're, is that what yeah. you're? Just their pipeline. They just know like that's where they're coming. And once you get to that point, whether it's depending on the business, if it's one month, two to four, you can take control over what you're doing because you know the cash flow. You can kind of predict what's happening. And then once that happens, word of mouth, repeat business, it all just flows on top of it. And then when that happens, you know, you're not just taking any job just for cash flow. You're quoting the jobs what they should be. And then everything from there just kind of blows up afterwards. So what we do at height is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what I try to get them to that point. So we do everything from the logo and branding if they need it. Full website design, digital marketing, which is the typical SEO, Google ads, Facebook ads. But then we, I have a lot of contacts in Georgia and through all the networking that I do where I act as like the point of contact for those people that need TV ads. Maybe we want to run ads on Hulu. So like if you're streaming and you see those ads that come across, I can help you with that. Video productors. And I try to be the one that's in the center because at the end of the day, they all kind of come together. So depending on what the person needs, sometimes, oftentimes I should say, it starts off as they're coming to us just for Google ads or SEO. They just want to show up on Google. I think I saw the other day about 80% of the country still goes to Google three times a day to search something. Okay. It's, so people are Google's still relevant. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like 80%. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone's going to Google. It's a reason why it's a verb, right? And if you can show up there when people are actively looking for it. So I have a bunch of business cards right here. One of them is a flooring company, if I'm looking to get new hardware flooring in my bit in my house, yeah, I'm probably going to ask some people, but I'm also going to go to Google and just type in, you know, flooring companies near me and look at some reviews. Totally. And if you're there at the top, you're there at the Google maps and you're there at the top of Google, your likelihood to show up is much higher. Yeah. And then obviously if Facebook and all that, if you get to that point, but it usually starts with just the Google side. Yeah, And then I grow them up into, you know, adding other services on because if they grow, I grow with them. Right. 
and it should always be. Yeah. Only. Yeah. And I always, I'm probably one of the few marketers that will tell people, but when it comes to using your business page, I always tell people, don't use your business page as much as your personal Facebook. So I'm big on my using my personal Facebook for business, like reaching out to potential clients and then just adding them on there or my LinkedIn. So because what, most people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sorry to cut you off. I think that's like a big jump for a lot of people to make. Because, you know, people, you know, sometimes they feel a little weird about marketing themselves, especially if it's like a personal page, as you just described. And it's like, am I coming yeah, up? Yeah. This is like a little weird or <laughs> they don't have that business audience yet. So it's like, you know, a couple of neighbors on the cul-de-sac, mom, dad, aunts, uncle, you know, it just feels a little strange. So how did you overcome that? Because yeah. you, you're clearly a big believer in that. And I, I tend to agree with you. But what was that mindset? I yeah, I think it's a little bit of, if you think about it, the, this is for the people that are in growth mode. Like these are the ones that are trying to bring it to that next level. Because if you're just comfortable with where you are, I like, will it help you? Yeah. But like, is it worth getting into that uncomfortableness at first? They probably won't do it. But the sake of knowing it can grow you will help you. So most businesses, specifically in the contractor space and law space, they are they are trying to do everything they can to bring on new business themselves. They're on those Facebook groups. They're on their town page. You know, they're actively connecting with other people as well. So why not go where they are? Yeah. And my rule of thumb is, I'm not out there talking about marketing every day. I almost I only talk about marketing maybe like 15, 10% of the time. The rest of the time, I'm talking about regular business, operations, networking, community service, my photography, some of like my personal side. And I try to use, again, if it's like a pie chart of all the things in a person's life, I try to make my job the smallest part of it. Well, like the actual career side of it. That's and I talk about everything else. And then through that, they're learning about who I am. Yeah. And, 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 and any person... Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, and that seems to be a pretty important thing if somebody's going to pay you a lot of money, ultimately, that they know who you are. That they... <laughs> I mean, that's like a... Yeah, and it's... <laughs> and it just, it plays back into your personal brand. It plays Good. back into LinkedIn. LinkedIn, I do the same thing. I try not to be too like professional, I guess, is the way so many people are trying to sell everything they have. But if you're more human, and specifically in the digital, in the marketing space, we all know what we're doing. So when it comes to running Facebook ads, Google ads, all of that stuff, SEO, the competition is pretty fierce, right? So it's, it's there. I almost joke that sometimes digital marketing and marketing doesn't work for marketing companies. Part, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of joking when I say that, but it's just there's so much competition because we all are aiming for that spot. And when we all know the best practices and what to do, only a few are really going to get up there. However, I think the saying where we all know people who, we all know a lot of people, and I same in the marketing space, who should not be in business. When they build people's websites, they steal them. They don't give them access. They have faulty beliefs. And there's a lot of iffy people out there, but they're the ones who get the most business. And then there are other people who I know, who I refer to sometimes myself, 
and they're great people, but they just, they struggle finding business. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think like this network and more of a personal side in the terms of, in the marketing world is the better way to kind of grow yourself. Yeah. In the company. So, I mean, really, you know, clients, even people in your shoes need to kind of think about what that hedge, what that hedge is that creates the edge to help you <laughs> in the marketplace that's ultimately there for you to attract. Because what I'm hearing you say is like, and this is going to be one of my questions. You already hit the nail on the head. You know, you agencies, digital marketing agencies specifically are pretty competitive and really effective at what you do. You know, it starts to be a real big red ocean real quick. So what else extra is happening in the foreground or the background to help these roofers, med spas, et cetera, you know, win the business. And I, I think that's where it comes down to what you were saying earlier about, hey, you don't need to be always talking about your business, but, you know, get out there and show people a little bit about who you are. There might be a story or an yeah. fact that you share that gets them to actually connect and go, oh, you know, this is the med spa I want to go to. And, and yeah, that, that's what we're trying to help people really think about here on this show as well, too, is like, how do you allow the humanity to flow through the marketing? I mean, the fact that you lived in the Amazon and Nicaragua for those years, somebody might hear that and go, oh, wow, I'm just coming from South America. I, I kind of want to reach out to Andrew and chat about that. And then, oh, maybe there's something he can help me with on the digital marketing. Force. Yeah, that actually works, folks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that works. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think the other side is, is getting involved in the community is another way too. Yeah. Where no matter, find something you believe in, whether it's, you know, whatever, whatever it is, you could become a board on. I was talking to someone yesterday and he's trying to become the, trying to be one of the board members of a children's hospital in a city, mm -hmm. you know, like, or you could, I'm very active within nonprofits throughout Atlanta. There are yeah. other people like there's be a volunteer fire. My brother's a volunteer firefighter up in Maine. So yep. there's like these different things, but then it's a different form of networking. Yeah. But then if you can bring your own talent in there, a lot of the nonprofits that I'm yeah. on, I tend to bring more of the marketing side too. Like, um, how do we craft this for fundraising, yep. the website and so on for, and whatever. And it's like, if you can do that, you're oh, showing yeah. your talent, you're networking. And so that's why it's like a big, it's a big ball. Yeah. And when you think of the big pie chart of things you should be doing, you need to be doing all of it. Right. <laughs> I, no, I like that, man. Overlook that for whatever reason. No, I like that. And I'm happy to hear you say that. I think a lot of people in, in your in your shoes or that sit where you sit, I think it's very easy for them to, you know, tell the prospective clients what they want to hear. And that is hand over a pile of money every month and we'll get you top of Google. And it's like just that easy. And I'm, I'm happy to hear yeah, you right. saying that there's a more holistic approach because you're right. And to the philanthropy side of things. Well, it's not that easy anymore either. <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, maybe in 2012, like maybe when things were still kind of like a blue ocean out there, but not so much anymore. And I, I couldn't agree with you more in terms of the community involvement. Like I'm a, a board member here at Denver Mile High United Way. And so I've had an opportunity okay. to volunteer and we have a united for business program so we basically help underrepresented companies with whatever they might need from a business perspective it could be accounting yeah, yeah. etc and so 
I've been helping small locally owned businesses and we all know how important they are to our economies with marketing. And now it's getting out there in the community that, oh, like if you need some podcast marketing help, Carl could be somebody that you want to speak with. And, and that was yeah. not I led with, right? It was just, let me just be someone that is meeting people and that is ultimately providing some good in the community. And now it's leading to these different opportunities. So I love well, it. You know, and then how did you get... One of the biggest questions I tend to get is like how it is a little bit tough sometimes, I think, to begin doing, getting involved in the community. A lot of people ask, like, how do I start? Yeah. Like, what do you tell people? Like, how did you get involved in that? How do you throw yourself out there? Because it's like, it's a big ocean. Yeah. How do we know where to even begin? It is. Well, I, I think you need to be an active seeker. And and so to put that practically, like when I moved to Denver five years ago from Nashville, Tennessee, I didn't really know anybody. And so when I would meet people, I would ask like, hey, like, what are you passionate about? Like, what are you involved with? And it just so happened that I met a friend of mine, Sarah. I didn't know her at the time. And she was like, oh, Maha United Way. Like, by the way, we're doing this thing. If you want to come through, boom, mm-hmm. five years later. <laughs> so like, be proactive about what it is you might be seeking. There's a novel idea. I don't know. How do you do it, man? Well, I'm a little bit more on the extroverted side after being in, I used to be shy when I was younger, but, you know, being in Nicaragua for four years in the Amazon, going to school out of state and all these things, yep. the last, well, yeah, maybe like the last decade of my life has every couple of years, I'm completely uprooting myself and putting myself in a new spot. Yeah. That's completely out of my comfort zone. And when you do that enough, Going from Maine to central Massachusetts to Nicaragua to the capital of Nicaragua to the Amazon to Atlanta, where I hadn't been before, you kind of have to learn how to, you know, find your tribe quickly or how to survive. And you kind of learn how to just mesh with people and how to throw yourself out there. I don't know. I'm one of those. Now I'm one of those people. I'll just walk down the street. I'll become friends with people or I'll talk to whoever's at the bus station. I'm. So for me, it's a little bit easier than most, I think. Yeah, that's so cool. I got to ask, <laughs> man, living in the Amazon, like, is it what we all think from the movies or I guess put a better way? <laughs> it depends on where you are. Put a better way. Like, what's what's one thing that just kind of completely caught you by surprise when you were actually down there from a day-to-day perspective that you wouldn't have thought was what it would be? How much of the influence is from the States? There's still so much influence from us down there. Like I lived in a pretty big city right at the right where the Amazon begins in Peru. And the city I lived in had, I think, like 100,000 people. So it was a decent sized city. We had two supermarkets, two movie theaters. Yeah. So it was a, you know, it was a good size. But once you start walks to the center, which is like, and however far out in, then that's like the typical quote unquote like jungle. But it's not nearly as wild, I don't think, as people think. It's just, it's like if you go up to Maine or up into Denver and you go out into the middle of the, uh, the mountains there, like where people don't usually go, it's kind of like like that, I guess. Okay. But I would say the amount of animals that just get come through there. I think every 60 seconds, there are 20 animals that are being illegally taken out of the Peruvian side of the Amazon. Oh. And out of those 20, out of those t- 20, 18 of them won't make it. That's sad. 
And I, I think that was the craziest part, just seeing it actually happen and then seeing yeah, like different parties that play into it and then how, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other yeah. conversation part. Who would have thought that there was such a big black market for exotic animals and exotic, I, I just, that was so far out of my worldview <laughs> until like that Tiger King thing never became a thing. So that's, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Hey man, just to wrap things up, you know, the role of text becoming more and more prominent in, in how we do business, how we network, how we do marketing, you know, specifically AI, machine learning, all that, all that's been, you know, pretty hot jazz. I'm just curious, is that playing a role for you all at height? And, and if so, how specifically might it be? Are you asking like just how we're adapting to AI at this point? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is that something that you all are sort of wrapping your arms around or is it kind of like, uh, we're still kind of, you know, keeping this at a distance. Yeah, I mean, there's a few different thought mentalities because right now Google and Bing have already altered their algorithms. So if you're writing content for your website or whatever it is, if it's written by AI, it's going to work against you. Like they have it where it's, it used to be EAT, so EAT. It was experience authority and trust. So when you're writing content, it had to have those things. Or it was experts, sorry, it was experts, expertise, trust, and authority. Now they've changed it to E-E-A-T, which is experience, expertise, authority, and trust. So if I was a chef, or let's say use roofing, if I'm a roofer and I, I was a roofer for a long time, et cetera, when I'm writing the blogs, I have to write about my experience as a roofer. Yeah. Like they're taking that into consideration. That's something that AI can't replicate right now. So there's that. There's all these other things where we're just not sure how the algorithms are going to change at this point. Yeah. Especially as everyone else starts using it more and more. Right. So we're trying to, we have like three or four different roadmaps that we're getting ready to go down. We just need to see which way, with what is going to be the road first. So you guys aren't like afraid of it though. I wouldn't say afraid. I'm like, I'm not worried about it. Cause like at the end of the day, the human touch is always going to be better than anything. You're always going to have to have someone that has to implement it. Right. And when it comes to SEO and Google listings and Google ads, paid ads, Hulu ads, all of it, someone has to put it together. Yeah. And there's going to be one person at least one person has to be the one to direct it. So yeah. I'm not too worried about it right now. I think it's just more fun and interesting than anything. That's beautiful, brother. Well, Andrew, this has been great, man. I've really enjoyed speaking with you. Tell, tell us a little bit about your podcast. I see it here in your, in your background, Impactful Leaders. Tell yeah. us about that and what you're talking about and where people can find that and stay connected with you. Yeah, you can just look up Impactful Leaders podcast. I'm on all the platforms. My goal with it is just to learn how to be a more impactful leader. So a lot of that is speaking with business owners, civil servants, community leaders, yeah. nonprofit leaders, like pretty much anyone that is in that space is considered a leader. Even if it's in a, a business, I spoke to one guy quite a while ago, yeah. one of my first guests who owns a roofing company, but you know, they do a few million dollars. He has a good amount of employees. He's a leader for the employees that he has. And that is a part of leadership. How do you lead these people? Yeah. So 
I'm always trying to dig into those things. And I try to break it up between business owners, you know, community leaders, nonprofit people. And I try to rotate around them. So it's just not, you know, one type of yeah. area. Love that. And that's on all the platforms. Yep. Yeah. Well, and it, it originally and full transparency, I thought I would use it more for a like lead gen kind of thing. I thought I'd be able to talk with people and like, you know, stuff would come rolling in. At the end of the day, it turns more into, I'm learning a lot. Like I was able to speak with the current CEO and founder and president of the Hall of Fame experience stuff. So it's like a hotel chain. And he was one of the presidents of the Four Seasons. And he was one of the top executives of Disney, where he sold and negotiated the deal that landed the first Disney park in China. No way. Mainland China. But like learning from him, learning from top, some of the top people from Google and like some of these other organizations yeah. has been really beneficial for me. Self, you know, being self being selfish in that way. But it's been a great time. Oh man. Well, well, there you have it, folks. Andrew J. Clark, Impactful Leaders. Check him out. I'm going to go check it out. That sounds pretty interesting. I'm always looking to learn as well. And just appreciate the time, man. Happy to now know you. And uh, you know, if you guys ever have any questions around digital marketing, give him and his company height a look. Thanks, Andrew. We'll talk. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And that wraps up another insightful episode of Marketing Reimagined. We hope you've been inspired and motivated to think differently about your marketing strategies. Remember, it's all about breaking barriers and challenging the norms. If you have a unique marketing strategy you'd like to share, we'd love to hear from you. Join us next time for more eye-opening discussions, thought-provoking insights, and above all, a fresh perspective on marketing. This is Marketing We Imagine, redefining the way you think about marketing. Until next time, keep reimagining.